Uh, hey, if you're a guest here, welcome. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my honor and privilege to kind of wrap up our teaching series, Christmas Through Their Eyes. But before we get into that, um, I can look out uh, through the windows, uh, the back of the worship center here, and I can see some Christmas trees. Uh, you'll notice that there's some numbers on those trees. Uh, so I'm super competitive, and I, I, like, I'm totally against ties. Someone has to lose. Like, you got to be a winner, right? If you're, if you're not first, you're last, I don't know. I'm not that competitive, but we do, we do uh, have a competition that is going here today. Now, here's the thing. All those Christmas trees that are out in the lobby, that was all of our fall semester life groups getting together. So at the end of November, uh, we came together, people brought all kinds of soups and salads, uh, we ate really good, and we just had a fun night. In fact, people didn't want to leave. Like we were here super late just hanging out and decorating the trees and the creativity that these groups have. Like I never thought in a million years that I'd look at a Christmas tree and see a chef. Like I'm looking right through and I can see a chef on one of these trees right now. But there's other trees where like the ornaments were handmade, each one of them. Like that's crazy. Now I want you to know church family, in case you're unaware, there's many of the trees that are actually interactive. Like they want you to interact with their tree. So whether it's like taking a selfie by it or they just wanna lift you up in prayer. Like they, they wanna pray for your prayer requests or whatever you might have. So I think that's cool that not only do the groups come together and we had a fun night, but uh, many of the, the, the trees and the groups, they, not the tree, the tree's not going to serve you. That's weird. I just realized that. The group wants to serve you who made the tree and uh, they want to lift you up in prayer. So uh, we're playing the honor system here. If you head to the big Christmas tree in the middle of the lobby, you can grab a ballot, but maybe go by each one of the trees. There's 29 trees. That's the most we've ever had. Uh, so praising God that we had that many life groups this semester. So go check out those trees and go cast your ballot because someone's got to be a winner, right? Okay, apparently not. All right. So before we uh, jump into the Christmas narrative, um, I just want to pray and just ask God to continue to, to just meet us here today. Father, uh, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your spirit just even moving in the other service. And Lord, I sent you here today. And, and maybe we're here um, and we, you seem like you're the farthest thing away from us. We're not even sure why we're here. May we just have an encounter with you, Creator. May we just have an encounter with the creator of the universe, the God who loves humans. Thank you for that. And so may it not be Brandon's words here today. May it be your words that we hear, that, uh, that we don't just hear things and gain knowledge, but that our lives would be transformed because we had an encounter with you, God. So Father, we continue to invite your holy presence here, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we've been looking at this Christmas narrative uh, through different sets of eyes in the Christmas narrative. Out of curiosity, how many people have really enjoyed like the Bible nerding that has happened the last few weeks? Yeah, like it's okay to be a nerd, like embrace it, like it's really cool. Uh, so if you're a guest or this is your first time here, like we were really diving into the cultural context of the scripture and just really trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes because the Bible was written 2,000 some years ago in an Eastern culture. 
And so it's hard for us to understand certain things. Quite often when I meet with people and try to encourage them to get into this thing is I try to paint a word picture. I try to envision us that we're in Australia and we're on the beach. We got the sand between our toes and the sun is starting to come down. It is absolutely gorgeous. I love sunsets. I love going to Lake Michigan and seeing a sunset. And so we're there and we see this beautiful thing. It's like, God is good. Thank you for sunsets. But we're missing out on so much. Because in Australia, below the surface of the ocean is the Great Barrier Reef. There's all this life that is below the surface. And so it takes a little bit of effort. Like if you were to go to the Great Barrier Reef, you're going to have to put some goggles on and some scuba gear. It's going to require a little bit of effort, but you get to see the beauty of all this life that's below the surface. That's the same thing with cultural context. Maybe that's your next step is when you get into God's word is to begin to equip yourself to understand God's word in its context because it was written such a long time ago. It doesn't make it uh, any less relevant today. It's very relevant today. But I think we miss out on a lot of different things because we're missing out on the context. So let's dive into uh, the story here today. I'm just going to read it. And uh, I think you'll be able to pick up right away on whose eyes we're looking through. So if you brought a Bible, we're going to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of Man. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. So welcome to Christmas through Mary's eyes. And I hope today that uh, we can begin to put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a moment. Because I think it's, uh, it's easy to have maybe a misperception of Mary. So I just, I want to dive back into the text that I just wrote, uh, read, and we're just going to unpack a couple of observations from the text. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged. 
So she's engaged to Joseph. She's not married yet. Now, right off the bat, we need to understand what did marriage look like in a Jewish culture, especially in Mary's Jewish culture. And so we're going to break this down. So marriage happens in your teens. So the average age for marriage in the U.S. right now is 32 years old. So already, we're talking a major span between the average age of marriage now and what it was in Mary's culture. So 40% of women married before the age of 15. Almost half of the Jewish women were married before they had a driver's license. (laughs) See, that's context. You know that they didn't have cars then. See, good job. See, that's context, right? But think about that. Almost half of the girls were married before the age of 15. But 70% of the women were married before 19. See, in the Jewish culture, they took it very literally, this story of Adam and Eve. And when God brought them together and he created that first marriage. And he said, go be fruitful and multiply. And they took that literally. Like they were being fruitful and they were multiplying like rabbits. It was crazy. And so they wanted to start marriages off sooner. In fact, some rabbis would teach that if you got married after the age of 20, you were actually sinning against God. So uh, Rabbi Ishmael said that men married after 20 were considered sinners. Now, in the Greco-Roman world, there would be massive age gaps between the men and the women. It wasn't as big of a gap in the Jewish culture, but oftentimes the men were a little bit older. But we need to understand, Mary's age was a teenager when, when she's engaged to Joseph. Now, in preparing for this message, I read this really cool book called Mary, uh, a devoted to God's uh, plan. And here's a quote from that book. In many respects, betrothal in Mary's day carried a weight equal to marriage. As a legally binding arrangement, a betrothal could be broken only by divorce. Even before marriage, the betrothed couple would often be referred to as a husband and wife. So this this engagement, it's a serious It's serious business. Like there's actually a business transaction that would happen between the the bride's family and the husband-to-be. Because that's another mouth that you have to feed. It wouldn't necessarily always be money, but maybe there would be a trading of livestock sort of thing. But we have to understand like if something serious happened in the engagement, it would be considered a divorce. They're not even married yet. And so we have to understand that the way that they viewed marriage was a lot different in Mary's Jewish culture. Let's go back to our narrative here. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? So more than likely, Mary's a teenage girl, and now this angel is saying, you're pregnant. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. It's hard for me to understand that. So because I wanted to serve you guys so well, I did some really extensive research with some teenage girls right here from Radiant Life Church, and I videoed them. Now, when I say extensive, I just mean three teenage girls that go to Radiant Life Church here, (laughs) just to be clear on that. 
Um, and I'm trying not to embarrass them because uh, a couple of them are in the room right now. But I just grabbed a phone and I wanted to ask them, like, how would you respond to God saying, hey, you're, you're going to be pregnant and you're going to conceive Jesus. Let's play the video. Can we thank those ladies? My heart would be beating so fast. I'm just a kid. I'd have lots of questions. Honestly, I think that would be my response as well if I was Mary. A teenage girl. And an angel comes up and says, hey, the Messiah that you've been waiting for 
you're going to conceive him, and you're going to birth him, and you're going to raise him. So put yourself into Mary's shoes as a teenage girl. Because the angel responded, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now we've seen the presence of God and the Holy Spirit even through the Jewish Bible as well, but Pentecost has not happened yet. This, this where Jesus went back to heaven and the blessing of the helper, the, the advocate, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. And so now she's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I would imagine this brings a high level of anxiety to Mary for a multitude of reasons. Because in Jewish culture, to be pregnant before you're married is bad news. In fact, let's go back into the scripture, her Bible in Deuteronomy. But if this accusation is true and no evidence of the young woman's virginity is found, they will bring the woman to the door of her father's house and the men of the city will stone her to death. For she has committed an outrage in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her father's house. You must purge the evil from you. You're a teenage girl. You just found out you're pregnant before your marriage. And her scripture says this. I would imagine there's a high level of anxiety that she was going to be stoned to death. Now, they didn't always follow through with this justice, but it was allowed in this time. And so the anxiety level must have been high for Mary, the fact that they could have stoned her to death. Another thing that we miss in our culture, we live in a very individualist type of culture, is we don't understand honor and shame, and Mary would have sensed shame in her context. The fact that the families would have noticed that at some point she would have began to show this baby, but the marriage ceremony has not taken place yet. And so this high level of anxiety and this shame was something a teenage girl is dealing with. Now, I don't know about you guys, but is there anybody that's ever had to deal with anxiety and shame in your own life? I've had high levels of anxiety in my life over different things. I've carried a lot of shame in my life because of choices that I made before I chose to follow Jesus. And I'm thankful that Jesus came on the scene to make a bridge that I could be made clean in his image, and I'm thankful for that. But we have to put ourselves in this teenage girl's shoes and sense this level of anxiety and shame that she would have been carrying. Now, in the, the narrative, it mentioned her relative Elizabeth. I just want to spend just a couple of moments here, and I just want to do a quick compare and contrast with Elizabeth and Mary. So, and consider your relative Elizabeth. So this, she's pregnant with John the Baptist. He's, he's Jesus' cousin who's going to, to pave the way. But I want to go a little bit further in the narrative and pick up just a couple of clues about Elizabeth. Now, the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. That's John the Baptist. Then her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. So her relative Elizabeth is surrounded by loved ones. 
her relatives and neighbors were there to support Elizabeth. That was not the case with Mary. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now there is all kinds of context that is happening here. But just pause for a moment. There was a census that was happening, and so Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. This isn't where Mary's support system would have been. So here's a teenage girl who's probably carrying anxiety and shame, who's pregnant and now has no support around her. As an adult, I'm super needy. I need all kinds of support around me. I can't imagine going back to my teenage years and carrying all of this weight with no family to support me. So put yourself into Mary's shoes for just a moment. This word manger, uh, that's not a word that I use very often, but I did grab some pictures of a manger. It's a feeding trough for farm animals. This teenage girl gives birth with no social support other than probably Joseph in a barn and lays the king of kings in a feeding trough for barn animals. The dust, the dirt, the smell of manure in the air. And that's where our Savior was born from a teenage girl. This is where they would tie the animal in order for it to stay here, for it to to drink and to feed. I would imagine that that manger was probably used. It probably was filthy. It's not like they had some Dawn dish soap and a couple of rags and they're able to clean up this stone manger. And yet our Savior's laid in this manger. Now here's a replica of this guest house and the animals here of where this would give you a, a better feel of what our nativity scenes should begin to start looking like. So if I'm crushing your nativity scene, I'm so sorry. But here's a teenage girl No support, anxiety and shame, giving birth to her first son. That's a lot to ask of someone. There's a lot of risk that Mary took in order to say yes to God. She had the public shame. She had the ridicule, impossible death of saying yes to God. If you've heard the gospel message of Jesus that if you surrender your life over to him, that everything's going to be perfect and there's, you're not gonna have any problems and it's gonna be rainbows and unicorns. I'm so sorry, but that's not true. Can you find freedom and healing in your life? Absolutely. Can you find purpose in your life? Absolutely. Can you spend eternity in heaven with our creator? Absolutely. Those are all good things. But saying yes to God can bring some risks. I want to grab another quote from that book that I read. But when we look at where God is at work in our lives, in the world, there's hardly a smooth road in sight. God calls us to grow and to participate in his plan, and that can mean allowing him to use us in ways we never imagined. 
I've got a pretty big imagination, but God is way outside of that imagination and he wants to use you in his plan. Now I want us to look at Mary's response to this whole thing because it, it's, it's beautiful. See, I am the Lord's servant. Servant. This Greek word is doulos. Everybody say doulos. You, you spoke Greek today. You didn't even know that was going to happen today. Doulos can mean servant. It can mean slave. But it also means giving reverence to someone who is superior. So here's a teenage girl with no support who's now impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And she says, I'm God's servant. I give reverence to the creator of the universe. But she continues, may it happen to me as you have said. I got to be honest, friends. I don't know that I could respond like that as a grown man. May it happen to me as you have said. Well, God, could you do it this other way? Yeah, that's a great plan, but I think you should probably use this person over here instead. You don't want to use me in that. But Mary's submission and her obedience to God. Mary was wholly devoted to God's plan. Every aspect of it. It didn't get any easier for Mary. I mean, just a couple years later, Pharaoh, or not Pharaoh, uh, uh, Antipas, he, he wanted to kill all the two-year-olds and younger. And so now they're just getting settled in. And now her husband, Joseph, says, hey, we need to go to Egypt. So now she's already into God's plan. And he's shaking things up already again. But Mary was wholly devoted to God's plan. So we need to wrestle with the question ourselves. Am I fully devoted to God's plan? I challenge you right now, just read those words aloud in your mind right now. Am I fully devoted to you? Because we need to wrestle with that, friends. Because real devotion is obedience. Mary was obedient. She submitted to God and her devotion to him. And she was obedient to God's calling on her life. So as we get into this Christmas story, may we see it through a teenage girl's eyes and realize her reverence and submission, her devotion and her obedience to the creator of the universe. May we be a people who can model that as well for a lost, broken, and hurt world. Father God, would you meet us right where we're at? Would you use your word now to speak to us? Thank you for this example of Mary. Thank you of her submission, how she modeled that to you, and how it was about your will in her life. May that be our cry and our prayer to you, is your will be done in our lives. 
So Holy Spirit, we surrender over to you. May we continue to make room for you in our life. Would you continue to make those rags into something beautiful? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Prayer team, you can make your way down. I want to encourage you before, uh, as we sing this last song, if you need to have the prayer team lift you up in prayer, maybe Holy Spirit was prompting you on something that you haven't been obedient about. Maybe there's that one area that you're just not quite fully devoted in. You're still wrestling with it. That's awesome that you're in that journey. Allow the prayer team to lift you up in that prayer. You can't do it on your own. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't need a relationship with Jesus. We need a creator. We need to rely on him, just like Jesus did. So come down if you feel led. Have the prayer team lift you up in prayer. But church families, we go into Christmas. May we have a new perspective of Mary's view of the Christmas story. And may we be fully devoted and fully obedient.